Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, Grumpy, uh, we are coming to, I guess, the listening audience um, on a Sunday afternoon after the Islanders have advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals the first time since 1993, 27 years since the Islanders' last last trip to the Eastern Conference Finals. I remember that year well. As a matter of fact, we wound up losing in the uh, Conference Finals to uh, Montreal and Patrick Roy. That was the – I don't – I don't want to say maybe it was the beginning of his run. I don't know. But it was the last time that Montreal won the Cup. I do know that. That was the season that uh, we wound up beating Washington. And then uh, Dale Hunter took the cheap shot on Pierre Turgeon, which everyone thought was going to doom us in the next round against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins. And we wound up winning in Game 7 in Pittsburgh on a David Bullock overtime goal. And then – uh, and I thought that was just an absolutely incredible accomplishment, honestly, because that Pittsburgh team, that Pittsburgh team was stacked. Um, and then we, a couple of breaks here or there, and we could have beat Montreal, but they seemed to get every break, and uh, they beat us, and they wound up winning the Stanley Cup. So is what it is. But it's been 27 years. I can't believe it. 27 years since we've been in the conference final. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> You're not kidding, grumpy old man. If you would have told me at the start of this postseason, as odd as this year has been as a whole, that the Islanders would make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and Josh Bailey would lead the team in postseason points with 17, I would probably give you a double take, not thinking necessarily that was going to be the truth in the case. But sure enough, it has been. Yeah. Uh, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I am not a Josh Bailey fan. Uh, but he has played well in this series, and he kind of epitomizes what the Islanders are, uh, you know, one for all, all for one. I mean, you know, we still got some of those fluky assists. I mean, even on last night's goal, uh, last night's Brock Nelson goal, which essentially closed out the series, uh, I can't believe they played Josh Bailey as a shooter on that <laughs> because, to me, I knew he was going to pass to Nelson seeing him skate up the side. So. Uh, I was surprised that Philadelphia, maybe they should have looked at their, uh, you know, their tendencies because Josh Bailey's not shooting the puck. <laughs> I mean, let's be right. Let's be honest. When you saw that and it was a two on one coming down, did you really think Josh Bailey was going to shoot that puck? I knew he wasn't shooting it. I am laughing grumpy because of the way you're opposing this. I'm Josh Bailey right. has exceeded. I want to say most people's expectations, even oh. people who love Josh Bailey, I don't think would have ever foreseen him putting up 17 points and leading the Islanders in point production this postseason, at least to this late in the game. And and again, he has exceeded my expectations of what I thought he was going to accomplish this playoffs, and he's done an excellent job. I didn't. I thought I was very complimentary of him. I he certainly has exceeded expectations. I mean, without a doubt. Um, you know, but it, let's be honest, he doesn't drive the Islanders. If, if anything, looking at this last series, Matt Barzal drives the Islanders, without a doubt. Without him, uh, I'm not saying uh, – w- without him, you know, we don't have anybody who creates any offense. Let's be honest, right? I mean, it's team, 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 team. If we had one other sniper – I mean, we're going to get into it as we go on, you know, some of the guys who didn't perform well – but Matt Barzell drives a team. But Josh Bailey has done the job, I mean, without a doubt. I mean, I hate to admit it because it makes me look uh, like I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, hey, it seems like he's caught lightning in a bottle. And I just hope he does it for another, what, four weeks? That's all I can say. <laughs> well, Grumpy, uh, it's it's been a really great team effort. And you kind of mentioned it. I want to harp on this a little bit. Um, Brock Nelson also had uh, has been having a great playoff series. The entire team's done well. If, I didn't think Scott Mayfield was going to put one in the net yesterday um, at Game 7 against the Flyers, and sure enough, they didn't really treat him as a threat to shoot the puck. I mean, the Flyers' defense just let him walk in to where he was almost standing or he was at the dot, and like he's got a wide-open shooting lane as well, and it was kind of disrespectful, <laughs> I think, a little bit, how little the Flyers thought of his ability to shoot the puck, and he made it count. And as soon as that happened, I knew we were going to win no matter what against the Flyers. Well, 
they treated him like they should have treated Josh Bailey on the third goal. Uh, they figured he was going to pass it back to Taves. The defender left him alone. He walked in, and let's be honest, that was a that was a beautiful shot. He just picked the spot and he hit it. Congrats to Scott Mayfield, who I think is an unsung member of this team. I mean, our defense has been really, really good. I'm going to tell you what. Yesterday was the first hockey game I've watched, and I want to say forever, where I was actually nervous about the game going in. Because the Islanders, there's no way they shouldn't have beat the Flyers. Absolutely no way. And we're going to get into you know some of the games that they lost. But uh, I don't mind if you lose to a team that's better than you. But when you're so much better than a team and you lose, that that's the type of thing that sticks in my craw. Well, yeah, even when you're looking at the series, we – before the series started, I thought the Islanders were a, a mismatch nightmare for the Flyers. And the time, I guess, our last podcast was released, um, we were podcasting when the Islanders were up in the series 2-1, to one, and they had a game later on that night, and they wound up going up 3-1. to one. And again, I, I felt there was no danger or threat of the Flyers beating the Islanders. And, of course, it was Game 7, and the way Varlamov had played in Game 6, I was a little bit worried. The Islanders had dominated and carried play for the mo- for the majority of the series. Um, you know, when, you, <laughs> when you're when you 3 and 3 in a series and you have three regulation wins and the three losses you have are all in overtime, you're kind of left sitting uh, you're kind of left sitting expecting a little more. Um, because again, if one bounce goes your way or one broken stick doesn't happen, you're not losing that game in overtime. Right. I mean, you know, we lose the overtime game that we absolutely dominated. Uh, you're right. Varlamov was terrible in that game. I was shocked that, uh, Trotz didn't give him the hook earlier after that second goal and he left them in and, you know, a broken Scott Mayfield stick in overtime and that's the game. But, I mean, we domi- We absolutely dominated them. Actually, the whole series, even the game, you know, the game that we, we that was last Sunday that uh, we did the podcast early and Trot said was the worst game that they played all playoffs. Well, yeah, that was until, like, the next game. Um, <laughs> you know, because I don't think we played poorly in game six. But uh, Varlamov was just terrible. I'm so glad that we started Thomas Grice yesterday and – I think we should continue to ride him. Hey, let's do what we've done to make us successful, right? Let's not try to shoehorn Varlamov back in. Let's ride the hot goalie. Thomas Grice has been great when he's been called on. Well, anytime you look at the Islanders under Barry Trotz, they've always gone with the approach of ride the hot goalie. And it's almost worked out perfectly. Even when Robin Leonard was with the organization last year and Thomas Grice were both our goalies, you saw it where – one goalie would have consecutive starts in like eight or nine games. And then, you know, we tail off a little bit, have a bad night, get pulled or yanked. And then another goalie goes ahead and slides in. And he takes advantage and capitalizes on his opportunity. And this is what we've done, you know, for the better half of the entire regular season last year and this year, and even the majority of the playoffs last season. So I don't think really we should deviate away from what works. I think that's something that Trost does very well. Um, to speak about it, yeah, Varlamov definitely led in a few weak goals in game six. I mean, that slap shot, um, that that was not, I guess, um, I mean, he had a clear play division. You're talking about the Van Riemsdijk shot? Uh, yeah, the slap shot from almost about the point. Yeah, and it was just, it goes right through his arm. And you just kind of, you're sitting there, you know, you're sitting there scratching your head thinking, this wasn't even a screenshot. You had clear vision at it. You just missed the puck. And sure, if we're an extremely, offensive if we're an offensive powerhouse that's not an issue we came back we fought back we managed to go ahead and tie the game up just like we had done in the first loss we had had took the we lead exactly we came back oh we took well we, that's right we did take the lead in twice six. not that's once right. twice okay I, I hate to cut you off but while i'm well you know as i get older when i have these points in my brain i got to get them out otherwise i forget you understand you know we t- it seemed like Varlamov was obviously weak the last number of games. I thought in the Philadelphia series, you can always tell when he starts creeping back and back and further and further into the net. And it felt like any time the Islanders made a defensive mistake that Varlamov gave up a goal. Um, you know, that game, the, when it went from 3-2 to 3-3, to three, 
It's, I mean, he let that Scott, he made Scott Lawton look like Mario Lemieux out there stick handling the way he fell for his deke. I'm like, my gosh, this is Scott oh, Lawton. And I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, Grumpy. On that particular breakaway goal, and again, I try to give goalies as much leeway as humanly possible, especially on a breakaway situation. Everything's magnified. Any type of mistake gets really shown. In the same token, though, it wasn't really much of a deke, and I was like, oh, God, he bit on it. And it made it a pretty easy opportunity for Lawton. Right. And then you're looking at his rebound control was just horrible. I mean, on really not dangerous shots at all, he couldn't come up with anything. Everything was bouncing out, and he's kicking shots right onto the slot. I mean, you can tell his confidence was down. That's why I was surprised that Trotz didn't yank him in that game after the second goal because we would have won the game. We would have, we, we definitely would have won game six and had the rest that we needed. Um, but I'm just glad – I was so glad because if he had played Varlamov yesterday and we lost, this would have been a rip Barry Trotz fest today for me. Um, but he, <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to be honest, Grumpy. If, if the, he would have played Barry – if Barry Trotz would have played Varlamov and the Islanders were to have lost – you you would have received a lot of criticism, I think, from different sects of the hockey community. Remember, in Barry Trotz's, what has it been, 19, 20 season career? I cannot remember. It's it's 20 plus, I believe. He's only made it to an Eastern or Western Conference Finals now, including this year with the Islanders, twice in his entire career. Um, and again, if he were to have not have won, there definitely would have been people drawing possible questions saying again, all right, Barry Trotz is now coached in the league for 20-plus years, and he's only made it to a conference finals once, and that's when he won the cup with Washington. So you definitely would have had people asking that question because that was a series where I think for the majority of the time on the ice, the Islanders were dominating the Flyers. Absolutely. I mean, the best – all right, the two best teams in the Eastern Conference are in the conference final, and that's the way it should be. And, I mean – you know, and I know we're going to get into the matchup here shortly, uh, but you're right. I would have been one of those people who would be going to be jumping all over Barry Trotz. I'll be honest with you because I thought he made some moves like playing Leo Komarov. It's like, ugh, I, you know, all right, three years ago, maybe Leo Komarov had a role, but right now, I mean, you see when he skates in and there's like two guys, he's just going to lose the puck. He might as well just dump it in and go back to the bench. Well, you're, you're talking about even his possession through neutral the neutral zone yeah. as well as even in the offensive territory. He doesn't do a good job of stick handling. He doesn't do a good job of vision and finding and indicating who exactly could pass. He's contributed to a few goals, um, but I mean – it's not really saying much. Everybody on the entire team has contributed to our offensive production in some capacity. Um, yeah. And I'm not a huge Michael Del Cole fan by any stretch of the imagination. I think this year during the regular season was a real step backwards from what I saw last year. But I didn't I didn't hate the way he played last night against the, the Flyers in Game 7. I'd much rather have Ross Johnston on the ice. And I think you're going to see in this series coming up against uh, Tampa Bay – they're a lot more physical. I, like I've also mentioned on this podcast a hundred times. This Tampa Bay team reminds me of the nineteen eighty Islanders. Uh, you know the team that in the Islanders in seventy eight and seventy nine were the best teams in the league, and they just couldn't get over the hump. They were called chokers. People have been saying the same things about Tampa, and a couple of the key acquisitions they made in the offs in the uh, at the deadline have really helped them out. Uh, you know, you look at Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau have really uh, given some sandpaper to the Tampa team. And I think that's what makes them a little bit tougher. As a matter of fact, if they weren't on this team, I'd say the Islanders are going to roll them and go to the finals. But they bring a different element that this team hasn't had, a little certain toughness that's going to make it a tougher series for us. I will tell you one thing, and I guess we can kind of transition a little bit because we beat the Flyers. That's kind of in the rearview mirror now. Thank God. Thank God, because I hate the Flyers, and my brother's a big Flyers fan. And if I had to listen to his mouth, well, let's just say it wouldn't have been good. <laughs> oh, grumpy. Um, but yeah, we're kind of we're kind of past the series now. Um, uh, one 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 little side note before we go: he was already talking junk, saying, "Oh, well, the Islanders haven't been to a conference finals since 1993." That's when the series started. And this is your brother you're talking about, right, Crumpy? Yes, yes. He's a Flyers fan, a loser, in other words. And, you know, I'm just like, 
I had to bring up, okay, well, we've won four Stanley Cups uh, since the last time you won one. So, and we did beat your ass in 1980. Well, I'll tell you, Grumpy. Um, He's still, it's all nice. He cries about, all he cries about forever is the fact that, uh, that the Islanders had a goal in game six where the guy was offsides. And he was, but the Islanders had a four to two lead going into the third period of that game. And if it was three to two, they would have played the period a little bit differently. So it didn't matter. The Islanders were the best then. They're the best now, too. So thank you. Well, I'll tell you this, Grumpy. I want to speak a little bit, something not necessarily you expect on a podcast, but it's different as an Islander fan to have kind of this bragging rights of a certain to a certain degree over other NHL franchises right now. I mean, you look at it for the last 20 years, we have had no bragging rights. We've had no like to stand on. And this is the first time, really, uh, and I guess even since social media has been <laughs> has been around, that the Islanders have a little bit of, yeah, well, look at our team right now. We're doing pretty well. They can't go ahead, you know what I mean? They can't just go ahead and take shit from every team that just talks trash to them, at least, you know, online and on all those communities. It's a little different to have it. I, don't know it's anything nice. about that. I, I can't even speak to that. So I'm just going to take your word for it. Are people, are, are Islander fans starting to chirp a little bit? I, well, Islander fans always chirp, and that's why I love the community. The Islanders' Twitter and the Islander fan community, they are always feisty, and that's why I love them. But I'm just saying, you can't have a guy like from a Pittsburgh Penguins fan base or anything like that. If they talk trash to you a little bit, I mean, you've got a little bit of a leg to stand on now. So that's always nice. I mean, they can't say, oh, okay, you know, when's the last time you've been in Eastern Conference Finals? When's the last time you won a cup? You know what I mean? It doesn't carry as far now that our team is, is successful. So that's always nice. I was just talking about from an online standpoint, Grumpy. Okay. That means nothing to me. Um, you know, because every, as everyone knows, even though I keep on saying I'm going to get a social media, I do actually have a Facebook page now. Uh, but, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's new. Um, but it's not, it's not the grumpy old man just to let people know. So it's not that. So they can't just, they can't just go ahead and search the grumpy, grumpy old, old man. man and find and you. I don't even know. Maybe, maybe I could put a little tag on there that says, Hey, this is the grumpy old man. I don't know. But Long story short, that is the extent, and all I do is wish people happy birthday. So, you know, it's not like I post a whole lot anyway. So uh, I just okay. look at other – oh, yeah, that's nice. Hey, nice to know you have children or whatever. So, I will tell you this, kind of switching gears a little bit to talking about the upcoming series um, of the Islanders playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Islanders have played the Lightning extremely well over the last two years under the Barry Trotz system. Uh, and this was – this was the point. It was almost a year and a half ago. The Islanders were playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Islanders' record was pretty good, and they played the Lightning so well. And the Lightning, at this point in time, were bar none the best team in the league. They were going for you know the possibility of the most points in a regular season um, in the NHL history, things of that nature, were the most regular season wins. It was going to be very interesting to see what, at this point in time, you know, what we're referring back to, they were playing extremely well. And the Islanders, I think, lost in overtime, won nothing, or they lost in shootout, something of that nature. But I thought after the Islanders played that well, I'm like, the New York Islanders are legitimate. They're not, this is not a fluky game. This is not a game where we were dominated. This was not a game to where, you know, we were lucky to stay in it, where they were hitting everything off the post and crossbar. That was a game where we stuck with the Tampa Bay Lightning and we're playing with them, you know, tit for tat. And sure enough, two years later, that's the same – or a year and a half later, that's the same exact way we're playing, and we have still played the Tampa Bay Lightning extremely well. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it again. I'm, and I know you said I was crazy when I said I'd rather play Tampa than Boston. Uh, of course, we didn't know about Boston, you know, with Rask sitting out at the time. Well, maybe we did. But Boston always seemed to have the, the jinx sign on us where we've played Tampa well under Barry Trotz. You're exactly right. Not, I tell you what, I'm. no one is picking the Islanders to win this series, but I am. Uh, I think it's going to be close. The only thing that bothers me, like I said, is uh, Goudreau and Coleman bring a different element to this team, and they're definitely more physical than they've been, and they definitely seem like they're totally dialed in right now. Um, we're going to have to play our vampire style against them. Uh, we got some good news today that Steven Stamkos will not be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals, which is good for us. 
That's great news. Yeah. Right now, Hedman is at the top of his game on the defensive end. Uh, Their defense is just as good as ours is, honestly. Um, I just think they're all playing well. And Braden Point has been fantastic. I think even better than Kucherov. Uh, He was sensational in the series against Boston. He was I mean, he was out there dangling the whole time. He was he was really, really good. Um, and I'm kind of a Tampa Bay fan. I mean, just be, just for their skill level, I just they're a, they're a really fun team to watch. But I just think that I just think that right now we are dialed in. And if we get solid goaltending, hopefully Grice will start. And if we get that, I think we have a real legitimate shot to beat them. Grumpy, I have to ask. You said kind of you're a Tampa Bay fan. Explain, elaborate a little bit on that. Is it more that you just appreciate watching them play because they have all that talent, or you actually are cheering for Tampa Bay? <laughs> no, 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 no. I here's the thing. I like good hockey. Okay, um, I'm not rooting for Tampa. Absolutely not. When I say I'm a fan of the, I'm a fan of the style they play. I'm a fan of their players because they're really, really talented. Um, and people, anyone who's listened to this podcast over a long period of time knows that I appreciate how good they are. Uh, but I'm not rooting for them in any, and I'm going to hate them, you know, in probably <laughs> in the, what, next week and a half. By then, you won't hear me say I'm a fan of Tampa Bay anymore. I hate them. This guy's dirty. I wish the, uh, this guy would get injured. I'm just saying they're, they're a really good team, and it's going to be a tough battle for us. I always thought we were going to be Philadelphia. I felt we were going to beat Washington. I knew we were going to beat Florida. This one here I'm not so sure of, but uh, if you think that I'm going to pick Tampa over the Islanders, I'm not doing that. Okay, Grumpy. Well, that's interesting. Um, Yeah. I guess you have seen a lot of people online, and almost the the consensus is the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to beat the Islanders in some capacity. No one is picking the Islanders. Absolutely no one, except for the Grumpy Old Man. There are a few people here and there, but for the most part, it's a it's a pretty much a consensus that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to beat the Islanders, um, and that could be for a magnitude of different reasons. The people who've watched the Islanders matchups against the Tampa Bay Lightning understand that it is nothing at all as much of a consensus as they're making it out to seem. Yeah, I'm not even talking about how we've played them right now. We are playing okay. We absolutely ran the first three teams in this bubble right off the ice. I know game. I know Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia won seven games. That series had no right going seven games. We absolutely dominated Philadelphia. We dominated Washington, and we dominated Florida. Okay, so but I mean, I think this is going to be our toughest test. Um, you know, going forward, without a doubt. I just, I just think that right now we really don't have any injuries. You know, so you know to speak of where anyone substantial is sitting games out, and we've just been totally dialed in since uh, everyone being in the bubble. I mean, the way this team is constructed, and I've mentioned it before, it's family. This team is family. You know, I have my issues with certain guys on the team, but the guys in the room believe in one another, and the fact that they're living together every day, I think that helps us more than any other team. It really does. Yeah, I can I can definitely one hundred percent support that that thought process, Grumpy. Um, and when you're looking at it as well, I, I think the Islanders, if they do win this series, and I'm kind of up in the air about it because the way we're playing right now, you're right, we're playing the best hockey I've seen the Islanders play. This is about as good as hockey we saw at the very beginning of the season when they went on that 17 game win streak. Think about how many shots the Flyers had. In uh, Game Six, through regulation, they had I think was it 17 fifteen shots, or nineteen shots, something like 17. that. Seventeen, and going into the third period yesterday, they had nine. Okay, think about that. We have been so dominant as a as a team defensive unit. Play, they're not even getting shots on goal against us. Think We've been that. so dominant in the neutral zone as well as in our own defensive zone. We are able to funnel every opportunity to the outside edges. And with the collapsing style of defense also that we we go ahead and practice, they're not getting any actual prime opportunities to the net. Uh, you know, you'll occasionally hit those where it'll be the slap shot from the point and it'll be redirected in front of the net and trickle in. That happens. Um, that's just playoff hockey goal. Those are just playoff hockey goals. But in the same token, we have been really limiting any type of high scoring opportunity chances 
for opposing teams. And that's something that Tampa Bay really goes ahead and prides itself on is it's got they're very, very skilled and they're very quick. And they're another team that's a pretty heavy four checking team when they need to be. Yeah. I just, like I said, I've been really impressed with Tampa. Uh, they beat a hot Columbus team. Um, well, uh, that one I think had, that's a little different, Grumpy, because, well, number one, that first game that went however many overtimes, I think if Columbus wins that first over, that first game with, you know, however, what was it, six or seven overtimes, Grumpy? No, it wasn't that many. I don't. I don't remember what it was. Was it five? I don't know. It was. It was a lot. It was a, quite a few overtimes. It was like maybe it was three or four. I don't remember. It's so long ago. I think it was five. I don't. I don't remember. It was. It was a while ago. But they had to beat the ghost of Columbus. See, that's that's the whole thing. Last year, they lose that game and they wound up losing the series. That's what I'm saying. I think they're a different team this year when it comes to that. They had to beat that Columbus ghost to move on. They say teams need to go through adversity to win a Stanley Cup. That was adversity for them. And then Columbus came right back and beat them the next game. They could and they could have said, "Oh, geez, these guys aren't going away." But then they took over that series. Honestly, uh, see, I think you're playing their ability to display grit up a little more than I would, at least. I'm not saying that they're not a gritty team. I'm saying if we're talking about grit, I think the Islanders outgrit the Tampa Bay Lightning <laughs> uh, 99 days out of 100. Yeah, agreed. But it's the one thing they didn't have any of previously. And it was the one thing they were missing. And now they have that as well. That's that's the biggest change in Tampa from the last two years and this year. Is now they have a little bit of sandpaper to their game. And it rubs off on everybody. Okay? And that's what's really benefited them. But I still think we're going to beat them. Just don't ask me. Don't ask me why, but I just have a feeling. <laughs> I got a feeling. Woo! Okay. Oh, grumpy. Oh, no. Breaking out the tunes, breaking out the songs. I'm shocked you even knew what that song was, grumpy old man. Yeah, Black Eyed Peas, man. I know my I know my music. <laughs> I'm kind of blown away, at least with your, your limited use of technology. I figured that you also didn't listen to much newer. I mean, like, I guess that's not a newer song, but for well, me, it is. In the last 10 years or something like that. Okay, for you, it is. There it is. I, mean, I could sing you doo-wop songs from the 50s, too, okay? Oh, Anything please, 60, please save 70s. us, save us, Grumpy, save the listeners, save us from that. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it is going to be an interesting series though. And all in all, it's the hot goal. You think we have to ride the hot goalie. And I think that's going to play an important role. Grice had played well when he had faced off against the Tampa Bay Lightning two years ago. I think Varlamov played both games against the Lightning this year when we faced off against them. And he played extremely well against the Lightning also. So it's nice at least that, you know, it's not like one goalie struggles against this team or anything like that. But in the same token, I think just based off the way Grice played in game seven, you kind of have to continue to roll with them, right? I do. I mean, I thought he was good when he came in earlier in the series against Philadelphia. Uh, I thought we should have played him when we had the back-to-back in Florida. Uh, You know, that's why you have two goalies. And here's the thing. It's not like Varlamov is, you know, the be-all, end-all of goalies. You know, Vasilevsky is, you know, the undisputed number one in Tampa. Every team has a number one, uh, you know, unless you're Vegas. Um, Well, I, I would say Vegas is number one. I think it's clearly Robin Leonard. Yeah, but you don't miss much when Mark Andre Fleury's there. Not at all. I mean, I have, I have, I have a different thought process on Mark Mark Andre Fleury, but we'll save that for another day, Grumpy. Yeah, well, he's done a good job there, and he's has won a Stanley Cup in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, I don't his thing. He's older, um, but what I'm saying is, it's not like it's Vasilevsky and then you go to whoever. I think our guys are interchangeable, and that's why you ride the hot guy. Right now, Grice is the hot guy. Like I said, the last few games, Varlamov has has not looked great. And maybe it's because of all the games he was playing in a row. I mean, you know, that's you know that's the way I kind of look at it. I would definitely ride with Grice. And uh, that's the way I would go until he starts cooling off. I was about to say, it's, it's, it's a good problem to have, right? <laughs> when you have two goalies that can do the job or at least adequately – you don't really have to worry all that much. Um, it's a good problem to have when you're worried about which goalie will perform better. As long as one goalie's not consistently struggling and you know you've got another guy that's just not being played. 
And the whole thing about our goaltenders, they don't have to be spectacular back there because our defense, our defensive system, I just don't want to see defense because our forwards have been fantastic. Our defensive system is so strong uh, that we don't, we're not, they're not getting hung out to dry on a regular basis. They're really not. So, I mean, that's, I think that's a huge thing. And speaking about that, I know you were kind of against the JG Pajot signing uh, trade oh, and sign. He's been fantastic for us in the playoffs. Just fantastic. I, I think mean, I think Jean Gabriel Peugeot's done an excellent job. Uh, and again, I was wrong. I thought giving up a first round pick for a guy who was having a career season in Ottawa, who is not a big point producer either for the majority of his career. I know this year he was putting up points. That's because he was playing on the number one power play in Ottawa, and every, you know whatever you can list. He had every advantage going in his way this year. Um, and, you know, it was also a contract season. It was a lot of different things for him. But in the same token, I was not a fan of giving up a first-round pick and, and the others that we had to – I can't even remember what else we gave up. I know the first-round pick was, you know, the big selling piece. But in the same token, uh, he's done more than impress me. He, he fights for the team. He's one of the guys, quite obviously. He gels in with the locker room, which is extremely important. And the same token, he's had a little bit of offensive touch. Uh, I like him. He's feisty out there, too. And when you make a move like this, if your team goes deep into the playoffs and even wins the Stanley Cup, hell, giving up <laughs> more than one first-round pick isn't a big deal because you win the Cup. And making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, which is the first, which is the first time we've done this in 27 years, that's already paid off, in my opinion. Yeah, I just he is a, he is the classical, quintessential Islander player. And, you know, hey, we've had our bossies and our trottiers, but it's always been a lunch pail team, always. It's a blue-collar team. The Islanders have always been a blue-collar team. Even And the years that we've been really, really good is when we had high-end talent on our first couple of lines. Now, as everyone knows, I don't feel we do on this team, but everybody is certain, certainly in the playoffs, everyone has elevated their play. Most certainly. Brock Nelson's had an excellent playoff series. Yep. Anders Lee has come on ever since the Florida Panthers series. He's really been doing well. That's another person I want to give credit to because we talked about him, his struggles this year in the regular season. My God almighty, has he been fighting like this? He's fighting in front of the net and fighting for loose pucks and fighting for that ground, that territorial position of screening a goalie and <laughs> clogging things up through the middle of the ice like he was a few years ago. I was worried, you know, how does his game translate long term when you get continued continually have this wear and tear on your body? But he's really done well this playoff series after the Florida Panthers series. Well, I don't think anything that's happened now is going to affect my opinion of that contract and what it's going to turn out to be. Absolutely not. But yeah, yeah I agree with you on that. But I'm just talking about as of right now, I think he's elevated his game, certainly. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get into some negatives. Because everything is not sunshines and rainbows and uh, every other thing. Uh, I thought that Anders Lee and Brock Nelson in particular have had point blank chances in that series and just hit the crest. At some point in time, you got to hit something else. And I thought Jordan Eberle. I was about to say, you also forgot to mention Jordan Eberle. No, I didn't forget to him. You're trying to, you're not letting me finish as usual. You're kind of cut me off, which you're good at. That's fine. Jordan Eberle. He couldn't put a puck in the ocean if he's standing off the edge of a pier. I mean, he had so many chances in front of that. And he's not even hitting the net. At least those guys are hitting the goalie. But it made me think, my gosh, if we had one or two snipers on this team, we'd be almost impossible to beat the way we're playing right now. And what, well, I, mean by, what I mean by sniper is someone who can pick a spot and score. And we only have one, maybe two guys on the team that can really do that on a consistent basis. Well, if you had a sniper on the team, he'd still have to play and have the same defensive responsibility that guys like Andrews Lee, Brock Nelson, and Jordan Everly have, and he has to play the two-way game. Um, and again, as much as – remember, Jordan Everly, before going to the New York Islanders, I think was touted in Edmonton as a guy who was a scorer. I he mean, was. That, exactly. So I don't think it's the fact that he's coming to the Islanders. It's just he's lost that. I think he's focusing more on a two-way game, and maybe that's where – I mean, because he's definitely had some chances. Even in Game 7, he was wide open right in the middle of the ice. And, man, it was one-on-one, -on -one, him and the goalie. It was like it was, it was like the Red Sea had parted. Defensemen and forwards 
were completely out of the picture. It was just him and, and, and Hart, and he just he buries Lee. it right into the chest. And I was that like, was oh, Lee. Wow. That was not Everly. That was Lee. And Everly that did was- it late. Everly did it later on in the game too. No, Everly. It was right after that. There was a rebound from Lee, and Everly gets on the side of the net and misses the net a wide open. He missed the net by two foot. He was two foot away, and he missed it. Agree. Oh, it also happened with Everly that night too. Maybe he just missed it, but I'm telling you, there was another chance as well with Everly where he had it wide open in front, <laughs> almost on top of the crease, and he just buried it right into Carter Hart. Yeah. No. Okay. Whatever. We'll just agree to disagree. I remember. Here's the thing: when my whipping boys missed those shots, I remember. And Lee, and the thing about Everly is. He was. It's just right now he's cold because he'd been sniping last year in the playoffs and this year earlier. Uh, but right now he's just struggling right now putting the puck in the net. If he, we get him to wake up a little bit, it would really bode well for our chances moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. Again, whoever gets hot obviously excels in the playoffs. But everybody on our team, I think, has elevated their game. Um, uh, you know, lacking in the scoring touch a little bit doesn't help. Uh, but – if we came out and play the same way we played in Game 7 against the Philadelphia Flyers every single night or close to that production every single night, we're a near-impossible team to beat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the contributions you're getting, Andy Green, Scott Mayfield scoring. I mean, the, the I mean, you think about Adam Pellick coming back, how it just – our whole defensive core solidified – and I also think the fact that Johnny Boychuk got hurt helped us too. For certain. Because For certain. Andy Green has been an absolute rock in the back in the back end. I mean, an absolute rock. So much so that I would not be opposed to signing him back on a short-term deal. Well, that's that's something Brandon Gaines, he's he actually first introduced me to this idea that people were talking about. And originally when I heard it, I was kind of like, oh, I'm not so sure I'm sold on it. But and the same token, I started listening a little more to it, and I'm like, okay, if we had found a way where we can offload both Nick Letty and Boychuk this offseason, it would not be opposed at all to signing a guy like Andy Green to a one-year extension and pairing him up with Noah Dobson, which in, in most case scenarios, they're usually partners together out there on the ice. Um, I would not be opposed to that at all. I think Andy Green has played well. You need to have, obviously, though, some depth and the next guy up type of mentality because with a guy of Andy Green's age, you know, there always are possibilities for injuries long term the older you get. And the same token, I think he's had an excellent playoff series, too. And ex- yeah. I'm sorry, he's had an excellent postseason. I keep saying playoff series, I mean to say postseason. Yeah. I mean, he's been a rock back there. Uh, honestly, if you look at our defensive or six defensemen that have been playing, Nick Letty's by far the worst. Oh my gosh, you're not kidding. And I, I know I, I hate Letty, I've, I've hated him for years. I hate him even under the Doug Waite system, lazy Letty, my friend. But the I think the, the worst criminal offense I've, I've seen him execute is he's terrified when he sees four checking coming his way and forwards bang the body against him a little bit, he just gets terrified. I mean, how many times has he been crumpled up due to a hit by a forward? I mean, Nick Letty's not a diminutive defenseman. He's not a tiny guy. I'm just, I'm, I'm always kind of left just scratching my head a little bit. I'm like, where is a little bit of physicality to your game? I'm not saying you have to kill anybody in there, but there are certain opportunities you have to throw the body and he just, he's kind of adverse to doing so. Yeah. I mean, I think of, and you know, I realize I'm nitpicking on all these negatives. That most, I'm most certainly, we're nitpicking right now because we're and, playing excellent hockey, and again, we're in the Eastern Conference Finals, guys. We're just being very, very nuanced with our discussion, is all. Yeah, like I said, you know, when I say you know Nelson and Lee and Everly, you know, should do better, and they should, um, but you know, they might not be scoring. But the defensive side of their game, and you remember Everly, when he came to the Islanders, what was the knock on Jordan Everly? Couldn't play defense. And would not play defense. And that has totally changed. The the buy-in from these players to this system is really an incredible thing to see, if you think about it. I mean, think about where they were before Barry Trotz came here. No one played defense. And now it's like that's they're fantastic defensively. Like I said, I I don't understand. I know that Trotz has his favorites, but 
to me, Leo Komarov should never see the ice again. I thought Michael Del Cole was okay, but I think you're going to need to see the physical presence of Ross Johnston out there against Tampa because they're much more physical than they have been in the past. Honestly, I don't mind who's out there on the ice. I don't think Komarov is the answer. The way Del Cole played last night, I had no issue with it at all. He had fresh legs very noticeably, and he wanted to do anything he could to make an impact and a reason why he should be on the ice every single night. When you're hungry like that, you always tend to, at least in my experience from playing, you always tend to play a little bit better when you're hungry like that, where you think, all right, I, you know, this is my opportunity. I've got to make the most of it. I haven't played since this series here. I didn't even play the, you know, I haven't played over the last two and a half weeks. I need to do anything and everything and play like this is my last shift. And when you have that mentality and take that out there, especially being, you know, a bottom six forward, that usually causes and brings success. And you look at a player like Derek Broussard, who's really subjugated his game, right? I mean, let's be honest, from what he was just a couple of years ago, I mean, he's a top six player. Um, and now he's had to play defensive system. And think about it, he got benched for a few games because he wasn't keeping up his on, uh, wasn't doing his job on the defensive end. And then he comes back in after a couple of game benching and he scores a couple of big goals and now is playing a much better defensive game. I just think, you know, it's part of that. It's part of the people that they have in the room. They're all true professionals. I mean, well, that that one that one goal I think you're talking about, which is the goal that tied up the game against the Flyers to force overtime. Remember, earlier on that day, <laughs> earlier on in that game, he had a terrible clearance right to a flyer, and it, and it led strictly to a goal due to his lapse of defensive effort. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go on board just quite yet that he's you know remedied those issues all the way. Um, but I think he has kind of elevated his game specifically on the offensive side of the puck. I definitely agree with that. And uh, we need him there. I'll be honest, we need him there. Um, you know, he's called big game brass for a reason. So and <laughs> certainly, he certainly scored some goals. I mean, and goals we've needed. Well, if you remember back to when he was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins a few years ago at the trade deadline, remember they, they gave up a first-round pick for Derek Broussard. For a rental, too. It wasn't like they had any intentions on signing. Or I think they did sign him, didn't they? They yeah. signed him back. They did sign him back. He didn't perform the way they would have liked. And then they traded him uh, that next year, I think, before the well before the trade deadline. But I remember they had originally gave up a first-round pick for Derek Broussard in hopes that he was going to perform well in the playoffs and then even afterwards. But it didn't work out so much for the Penguins. Yeah, well, he's always been – well, you know, and here's the thing. It's tough blending into that unit, you know, into that uh, – that locker room there's certainly a pecking order there where i mean okay he came here he's on a one-year prove-it deal he's probably not going to be back let's be honest uh but right now he's you know he's scoring a couple big goals for us and i think he's certainly playing better uh like i said i'm i'm just nitpicking things that are going poorly and i really can't say anything about our defense core. I'm not, I wouldn't say things that are going poorly, just room for improvement. I mean, nobody's yeah. perfect out there. Um, we've played extremely well. I'm happy with the way we're playing. I want to get a little bit to your predictions, number one, grumpy old man, about the Islanders lightning series. And then we're going to product. We're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about what's going out there on the West coast. And, you know, that series really quickly will give an overview of, of what thoughts and opinions are against of Vegas against the Dallas stars. Yeah, uh, I'm going to review my my selections for this for the previous the round that's over now. I did pick Tampa Bay over Boston. I did pick the Islanders over Philadelphia. I did pick uh, Vegas over Vancouver, and we found ourselves a new young star and goaltender uh, Thatcher Demko, who was absolutely sensational in the three games. Uh, the last three games of that series when Markstrom got hurt. Uh, Vancouver is certainly a team on the rise, team to look out for, a young team. Uh, and now it looks like they had certainly had their goalie of the future, without a doubt, in Thatcher Demko. And I did pick Colorado over Dallas, and that went to overtime of the seventh game, and they uh, Colorado was playing Michael Hutchinson in goal the last few games, which just tells you how much the loss of Grubauer really affected that team and that series. And they had a string of other injuries. I mean, Landis Gog didn't play the last game. They had like seven, I believe seven or eight guys who were out 
from who started the beginning of the playoff series. Colorado is going to be a better team going forward. I still think they're a better team than Dallas, but the injuries caught up to them. They're a team to watch in the future as well as Vancouver. They need a little bit more help on the defensive end. Uh, Colorado does to take that next step. But now we can go into our predictions. Sorry, I was a little long-winded in reviewing the last round. Well, Grumpy, I want to talk about it. Well, Thatcher Denko, you talked about how they know, you know, he's going to be definitely the guy of the future. He had had quite a he, – he was up with the actual Vancouver Canucks this year and had played, I think, like 20 or 30 games with them. Um, his numbers weren't crazy or anything of that nature, but he played extremely well in the playoffs in the Vegas Golden Knights. Wow. They really had some unbelievable chances and really put pressure on on the Vancouver Canucks, and they were able to bend, don't break, and force that game seven. Um, Robin Leonard, wow, wouldn't it be quite po- poetic if it was the Vegas Golden Knights against the New York Islanders in the Stanley Cup Finals? Wouldn't that be quite poetic? I was going to get to that, but you beat me to the punch, but we'll talk about that later because we're not there yet. We'll talk about it now, Grumpy. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I, well I, think, I, I believe your question was, who am I predicting – for the Islander-Tampa series, I am predicting the Islanders in seven games. I think it's going to be a tough, hard fourth, fourth series. I think we're going to frustrate them. Uh, and I think we're going to get a goal from an unlikely person to potentially win that series. At least I, LA, that's what I'm hoping anyway, right? Um, even if we lost to Tampa, I would still consider this season a success. And Most certainly, this season's this season is a success. As long as you don't get beat and swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning four nothing, this season has definitely been a success. Well, you can lose to a team and get swept, but if it's one nothing games or two to one games, that happens, and it shows you what you need to change. I would but- have an issue getting swept by the Lightning just because we've been playing so well, and that's my thing. I I don't want I. We played so well in these series beforehand. I don't, I don't think we're going to get swept by the Lightning, but it's still a success no matter what. We made the Eastern Conference Finals. This is the first time in 27 years, and this is going to be the most. I'm going to I'm going to make a controversial statement here. This is going to be this season, this off season that we're in right now, is going to be the most successful that this current team, as currently constituted, is going to have. So, and I just say that because we're an older team. And we're fully healthy, and this is about as good as we can play. So until there are changes, this is as far as we go with this particular unit. Well, there's over, there are going to be changes next year to the roster, Grumpy. If you don't think Sorokin's going to be the new number one guy, uh, I want to call you sadly mistaken. And, you know, you got Oliver Wallstrom, who I definitely think is going to be playing up for the Islanders in some capacity next year. And so is Noah Dobson. So I think we're going to see a gradual phasing out of some of these older cast and crew members. Uh, that being said, Grumpy, what do you think about the Vegas Golden Knights series against the Dallas Stars? I think, I think Vegas beats them. I think Vegas is really good as well. Um, like I said, if it wasn't for Demko in those last three games of that series, it, that series is over in 5-2. Markstrom got hurt. And Markstrom was playing well as well, but Demko was just standing on his head. I mean, and you think about, I think, midway through the third period in Game 7, Vancouver only had seven shots on goal. That's how dominant that uh, that Vegas was. And it's nice to see Robin Leonard, and I'm going to bring it up. I was thinking about that when I saw him going through the handshake line. Oh, boy, wouldn't it be great to see a handshake line with uh, Varlamov and Grice shaking Leonard's hand at the end of the Stanley Cup Finals? I'm going to be honest with you, Grumpy. I think Leonard is better than any goalie right now we have on the roster. Is he better than Sorokin? I have no earthly idea. I've always thought Robin Leonard is extremely good, um, and he's played very well. Uh, and I, he, I, I keep asking this question to you, Grumpy, but I wonder – if he has finally found a home and a place to be, you know, the number one guy. Remember, if you if you look back four or five years ago, he was a very, very highly touted prospect, one of the highest touted goalie prospects around at that time period. Remember, when he was traded to Buffalo, they gave up a lot for him. He had his issues. He had the mental issues and the drinking issues. And once he was able to straighten that out, he has played phenomenal hockey. 
And yeah. I really wonder if he's going to find I, – I hope and pray he finds a forever home. So do I. So do I. And one thing, you know, and I, I put it in my notes and I forgot to mention it uh, earlier. He made a save in game seven when it was nothing, nothing. It was maybe the seventh shot of the game, but it was point blank. And he flashed the leather on it. I thought it was certainly going to be a goal. And he made a big save. And it reminded me of something that Trot said after game six. Well, you know, Varley didn't have a great game. But, you know, a lot of time when there's not a lot of shots down there and, you know, sometimes you can get beat by a shot like that and maybe that's why he struggled. And I thought right back to Robin Leonard when he made that save later in the night um, when he only had six shots on goal the whole game earlier. And he makes that save, which really looked like a one-goal game for certain. And he makes that save, and it made me think, gosh, you know what? We – signed the wrong guy. We should have kept Letter and not Varlamov because Leonard was able to make that save with having nobody come down there where Varlamov was not. And now obviously the reason the reason for that being grumpy was to get Sorokin. Um, and we knew that. We knew exactly. That. Exactly. Long term I think it benefits us more with E Sorokin. Um but in the same token, I've said this before, I think Robin Leonard's an outstanding goalie and I'll be very interested to see how he plays. I think the Vegas Golden Knights are going to beat the Dallas Stars. Um, I do not like the Dallas Stars is all I'm going to say. I think we they we struggle. We struggle a little bit. And, and we yeah. pl- we play better against them lately, Grumpy. So it's not as as skewed as you would think. I think the best matchup for the Islanders if we were to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning would be actually against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, and that would be <laughs> that would be quite a series. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yeah, I, I think Vegas definitely uh, moves on past the Dallas Stars. I think they've been playing outstanding hockey as of late. Um, hard to deny that. And as much as I want to say it, Grumpy. Oh, actually, you know, I'm conflicted. Go ahead, go ahead, say it, loser. Go ahead. Say I think I think I think I think Tampa Bay wins in six. Yeah, I, I would love I would love to see the Islanders win, and I hate to feel like I'm jumping on that bandwagon. I'm just I'm just not sure, and the reason being is the the ability for them to score goals. If we're able to play our style, which we are, which is important to say, we are we are playing our style. We just can't have any of those type of mental lapses. If we go with a guy like Varlamov and Net, you cannot let an easy, weak slap shot goals from the freaking point and expect to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. You can't let in these, you can't give up juicy rebounds consistently and allow them to be knocked in by the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you make any type of mistake, and this is my thing, if we're playing the same way we did in game seven across the series, I think we kill the Lightning. I think we kill them. And I would say that. I think we kill them. In the same token, though, I just think it's unrealistic to expect us to play the same way we did in Game 7 consistently throughout the series because if one member makes any type of mistake, it gets magnified in our system and we will lose. If Varlamov starts in net Game 1 and he is allowing juicy rebounds left and right, if he's not making the routine saves he's required to make, we have zero chance of winning the series. You You have to do the little things right. And Varlamov... If he starts in net and if he struggles, we're going to be we're going to be we're going to have issues. Yeah, we. Ha- I think it's more important that we play the top of our game than Tampa plays at the top of their game for us to beat them. Most certainly. And I can say that a couple of things: we didn't take many penalties against the Flyers in this series, uh, and that's good. I mean, even when they did their their penalty, their power play was terrible. That is not the case with Tampa. Exactly. Our five-on-five play is good, but where we struggled, even if you look back to the first series we played against the Washington Capitals and even against the Florida Panthers, our five-on-five play was excellent. The, The places we struggled was on the penalty kill and on our power play. And this power play unit for the Tampa Bay Lightning is something we have not seen so far in this postseason. I mean, the Washington Capitals power play, not terrific, and that was the same exact case with the Flyers and the, the Florida Panthers could score goals, but they have their own issues. They score goals because they give up a lot of goals and they're always pressing hard. They have high-scoring games. But the power play units for those teams were not as good as the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think five-on-five five were just as good as the Lightning, if not a little better. Special teams play, I think the Lightning have us. I think they've got our number. Yeah, their power play is lethal. Um, and getting back to uh, some of the other 
points that I was going to make. We cannot come out flat to start the first period like we did against the Flyers numerous times and like we did against Washington. It seems like early in the game, we the other teams come out you know hot and on fire and we come out a little little lethargic and i don't think that's going to work against tampa i think as weird as it sounds grumpy i don't want to run you off that's the second time you realize it's the second time you're running me off while i'm trying to make the point go ahead make make your point point. i won't forget i won't forget okay okay um i think it's imperative like you mentioned to the goaltending we have to get solid goaltending we have to come out ready to play and we have to limit their chances on the power play I think their goalie is better than ours. I think our defensive pairings are maybe a little bit better overall than theirs, but they have the big guy in Hedman who's better than anybody we have who's able to do a lot more. And I think forward lines, I feel that certainly their top two lines, their top line is better than ours. Um, But I think our bottom line is better than theirs and the, our second line's been playing really well, and I think the key to the series could be the third line play. I'm going to be honest with you. They have uh, Goudreau and Coleman on that third line, and it's going to be interesting to see how they match up. Go ahead. since you, I mean, I had my points all laid out, and you cut me off with some long soliloquy, so it wasn't as smooth and beautiful like I usually like to say. And then you went to cut me off again. Go ahead. Your turn now. I know you like to hear yourself talk. Go. <laughs> Grumpy old man. Um, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think you pretty much accurately displayed it. I think if you're looking at the team as a whole, I think Vasilevsky is a slight upgrade or definitely an upgrade over who we have in net, whether it's Grice or Varlamov. Um, you know, if the goalie's hot, I think, again, there's there's no issue. I think they go tit for tat. They're pretty close to exactly the same. Um, when, you know, Varlamov or Grice is playing at their peak, they match up with Vasilevsky playing at his peak. Uh, defense, I actually, I think as a whole, our three defensive pairings are better than the Lightning. I think forward grouping, depth-wise, I think our team's got more depth than the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think our team plays a better two-way game, at least our forwards do, than the Tampa Bay Lightning. When you're talking about offensive acumen, obviously I think the Lightning have us uh, edged out a little bit there. I think the special teams play. If we could stay out of the box, you're right, I think we win the series. If we get in penalty trouble, we take dumb penalties, I don't know how they're going to call the games because, again, it changes from ref to ref, it seems like. Some nights they'll have blatant cross-checking, they'll have blatant slashes, they'll have blatant times where a goalie can have the puck in his hand and have a delay a game, but they just give him a warning despite that strictly being a penalty. Grumpy, I will actually mention that. (laughs) If the Islanders lost this series, I would have had a little bit of an issue with how they just completely gave Carter Hart a warning for a damn penalty of a delay of game. Things like that. It all depends on the referees to determine who's in the box and who's not. Because stuff like that's egregious, in my opinion, when you let rules, broken rules like that, just slide. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not one for blaming the refs, but to me, in that Philadelphia series, they let the Flyers do a whole lot of holding, particularly in front of the net, particularly in front of the net, holding sticks, hooking, and we really don't play like that. Um, for the most part, but it's playoff hockey. And maybe we need to kind of get to doing that a little bit more if they're not going to call it. Uh, But I thought the Flyers got away with murder in front of that. I don't think they were overly physical against us. Uh, I didn't think there was a whole lot of cheap shots, but they got away with an awful lot of holding and interference. I I do feel that. And, uh, you know, one thing, uh, you know, they say you always have to be control of your stick. When Barzal takes a stick to the eye and bleeding, uh, that you got to have a call there. I'm sorry. And they didn't even, I mean, it should have been five minutes and that guy should have got bounced. Well, it's on a shot. Well, I don't care. You have to be in control of your stick. The rule specifically reads as this, a high stick. And now they talked about it, right? Oh, this is just the normal motion of a pass, right? When you're passing the puck to someone else across the ice, or even if you're throwing it it towards the net, your stick just magically goes above your head. I was like, okay, I'm not necessarily buying that. But the exact rules written as a high stick is one which is carried above the height of the opponent's shoulder. A player is permitted to accidentally or to – is permitted accidental contact on an opponent if the act is committed in the normal wind-up or follow-through from a shooting motion. 
And you saw that play, and I was like, that did not look normal. And that's what you see. And people are like, they bring up this quote, and I tell them exactly that. I'm like, it's completely up to the, the discretion of the referee, whether it's a normal motion or not. I can't tell you how many times a guy will go ahead and follow through with a normal shooting motion, hit somebody in the face, draw blood, and they give him a four-minute double minor because they say you have to be under your control of your stick at all times, right? Yeah. It's a discretion call. So for people to go ahead and try to cherry pick it, I mean, that's neither here nor there. But if we're able to stay out of the box, I think we we do win the series. I just think if we give them any type of power play opportunity to gain momentum, it's like we're going to be taking one step forward, two step backs, two steps back. Because again, I think five on five play, we match up with them very well. I just would hate to see it where we get a one goal lead or, you know, we're fighting hard for tooth and nail for every single opportunity and chance. We have two or three power play opportunities. We're not able to cash in. They get one power play. They score 30 seconds in. And you're just kind of sitting there scratching your head, thinking to yourself, okay, how are we going to get back to where we're on even ground? That's the biggest struggle point I think the Islanders are going to have. If they can limit the amount of power play opportunities the Lightning have, I think we're in good shape. Yeah. Agreed. Um, just think about Washington, right? When they had the power play, I mean, they score almost, and they were struggling coming in, but we made them look really good. Uh, but exactly. then you just, you just can't take penalties. And like, so it all depends on how special the teams is always in ebbs and flows of the season. Sometimes your power play is really good. Sometimes your power play struggles. Sometimes your penalty kills best in league. Sometimes your penalty kill really struggles. So you have to hope that we're going to be hot on the penalty kill and we're going to be hot on the power play. But if we're playing our normal average power play and our normal average penalty kill, I think Tampa definitely has the upper hand on us when it comes to special teams. And I would really hate for that to be the reason what separates the series. Yeah, and I want to give kudos to a Tampa Bay player who I thought has played really – I think Ryan McDonough has played really well for them. And he went out against Boston, and you could tell he wasn't in the lineup for them. I think he's a solid veteran presence for them uh, that he brings to that back end. So, And he's the like he's on their third pair defensively. But again, our pair. team doesn't have the big-name guys. Now, and, and, I don't consider Ryan McDonough a big name. I mean, I just I think he's a solid veteran presence that they need back there. I'm telling you, if you if you tell a casual hockey fan that oh Ryan McDonough is on, you know, he's a, he's a top six defenseman. He's not a top four or top pairing defenseman like he was with the Rangers. You know, he's your last pairing defenseman. You're kind of thinking to yourself, wow, what type of defense do you have out there on the ice? And if you tell somebody, oh, we've got Scott Mayfield and Adam Pellick, they're like, who the hell are these guys? We're not a team with big name guys. And that doesn't bother us. And I'll tell you one thing that also I think plays in the Islanders' favor. I know I said the Tampa Bay Lightning win, but I think there's many different routes that the Islanders can win this series. I don't I don't have it set in stone. And I'm, again, like I'm rooting for the Islanders, as you guys know, Islander fan here. Um, and the same token, the Islanders being looked at like they have no chance, I think always helps them play well. The us against the world type of mentality feeds well into the Barry Trotz system, into that Islanders locker room. I 100% believe that. And remember, Tampa Bay walked into the playoffs last year thinking they had that damn series in the bag against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who barely skated their way into the finals, barely skated their way into the playoffs and got rolled by them. So again, there's there. I think there are a lot of different outcomes of this series. I hate that I have to pick one, but you know, if there's no craziness, I, I, again, I still think Tampa wins. But I think there are a lot of routes that the Islanders can win this series. Yeah. Hey, but see, you bring up – you learn from those experiences. When you lose like that a couple of years in a row when you're supposed to win and you wind up losing, it. and if you're able to come out the other side and make a couple of pickups like you do, that's why I just think they're a way tougher team this year than they have been in previous years. Well, how do you know they've come out the other side? That's my point. Uh, because they came through and they beat Columbus and they just steamrolled Boston – I think that Boston had issues. Yeah. uh, Boston maybe had issues, but they're still a really good team who was playing well. Um, Halak wasn't great in goal, but that's not the reason they lost. I just think that they made the the proper changes to their team with Coleman and Gaudreau, which uh, have really benefited them. I I think it gave them an added element and that they've needed. I mean, I just do. So, I mean, I'm not saying – his thing, if I was betting with my head, I would take Tampa, but I'm I'm, I'm gonna, not going to pick Tampa because I want the Islanders to win. So. 
and that's where I was. I was kind of conflicted too because there's a lot of different ways. I just but there's no way I'm going on this podcast and saying that Tampa's winning. <laughs> Grumpy, you're supposed to be the hockey analyst and expert, Grumpy. Yeah, I know, but I, you know what? I just I'm I just have a feeling that's why. I, I, again, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if either outcome happens. That's that's how close I, t- I think these two teams are. I wouldn't be shocked if either team got swept. I wouldn't be shocked if the series went seven games. This series, nothing can surprise me. No one's getting swept this series. I don't no think so. I, nothing, nothing would surprise me, though, Grumpy, is all I'm saying. Yeah. It wouldn't I shock me if there's four one-goal games that are won by one particular team. That wouldn't shock me. The way these teams have played in the regular season over the last two se- over the last two years tells me that these two teams are very, very closely matched. Majority of their games are all one-goal games. So yeah. that's always something to go ahead and look into, too. Uh, our first game is going to be Monday, uh, which is actually when we release the podcast. But it's going to be Monday night at 8 o'clock. Yeah, well... You know, when we're going to play every other day, I kind of wish that we were maybe starting Tuesday after having a Saturday night game in Toronto, then having to travel to Edmonton on your off day and play the next day. I think that's a disadvantage for the Islanders. Normally, I would say it's an advantage uh, where you have a team that is, you know, coming off a series and you have the other team that was resting all that time. And hopefully that'll play off. I just wish we had, would have had one more day. I would feel much better about our chances tomorrow. <laughs> well, thanks for being a part of the podcast, Grumpy. Is there, is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap things up? Yeah, you better stop cutting me off during the podcast. I'm come over there and give you a beat. I know you seem so you seem so frustrated, Grumpy. No, yeah. I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, you're probably frustrated because of how well your favorite Islander players have been performing this playoffs. Oh, I mentioned one more thing to mention before we end things. I'm sorry. Continue that, Grumpy. I was going to run you off a third time. Yeah. I'm ecstatic that they're playing beyond their means. I mean, let's be honest. They're playing way over their heads. I just hope they can keep it up for another month. That's all. I told you they're grumpy and private, and maybe I said this on air, but if the Islanders win a cup and Josh Bailey continues to produce, I told you don't be shocked if his names go up in the rafters for the Islanders. I'm just telling you, don't be shocked, grumpy. Don't be shocked. No, no. Don't be shocked. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I just said don't be shocked if it does happen. Um, of course, them winning a cup, I think, you know, is important for that in order to happen. Uh, but there's one thing we have to mention. They need to damn get Matt Barzal a full cage or something. I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure how many more times I could see him take a high stick or a puck to the face. <laughs> He's been taking a lot of collateral damage from his own teammates, from opposing players, from pucks. I mean, he's been getting hit in the face left and right as of late. He used to be a pretty boy. Now he's a hockey player. <laughs> oh, that's how they say it, Grumpy. Well, thanks for, so much for being a part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And thanks so much to the Hockey Podcast Network. Again, they allow us to have the podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether you listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Hockey Podcast Network's version of the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. 